Well, hey there, you're listening to Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's special episode in the middle of a special bonus season. This season is called Unshaken Moms. These are all talks that were given at our Mom to Mom Ministry at Christ the Word Church. Hey, be sure you subscribe to Unshaken so you'll get both these bonus episodes every week in notification and also our regularly scheduled episodes that drop every single Thursday. So that means you're going to get 24 episodes this entire season, and I think you're going to love each and every one. You can reach out to me at unshakensalm622 at gmail.com. Hey, if you have any thoughts or questions or comments about the podcast, I would love to hear from you. Have you ever sat and wondered if you were ready for this job of motherhood? I mean, I remember sitting on my couch holding my firstborn son and wondering, oh my, I have no idea what to even do right now. Maybe you had these thoughts when you were actually challenged under the stresses of other things and thinking, how can I take care of my little kids with this? Maybe you were wondered if your kids will turn out okay. Well, today, Julie Morgan is going to walk us through a talk she gave at the Mom to Mom Ministry. It was called Made for This. And she's going to walk us through how you and I are actually made for mothering. Even though we are quite inadequate, God is completely adequate and ready to help us and lead us and comfort us as we mother our children. Let's jump in and listen. All right, so I wanted to do a survey, just a general survey to kind of get a feel for what ages and stages everybody is at. So it's really easy. You don't have to talk. For those of you who don't like to speak, all you have to do is raise your hand if it applies to you. And there will be some people in here who have their hands up frequently, just so you know. Now it's too loud there. I'm getting ringing. Are you guys okay back there? Okay. And if you need me to speak louder, Bryce, just, you know, do what you got it. Okay, there you go. Okay, so if you have one child, raise your hand. Only one. Only one. Good clarification. How about two? Two children. Three? And you crazy people with four or more? Rebecca, raise your hand. There you go. Okay. All right. How many of you have a baby in the house? Defined as under one. Under one. Okay. A toddler or a preschooler? That's a lot of you. Okay. Um, Elementary age kids. School age kids? Middle school. High school, college and or adult grown children, grandchildren, sorry Leanne, (laughs) you can put it down now, although you're going to get it back up in a second, okay, how many of you homeschool some of your kids, send your kids to public school, private school in some way, shape or form, and don't school your kids at all because they're too little. Well, good. So you can kind of see that there's a lot of variety amongst us all, but there's one thing that unites us all together, and that is the call to be a mother. And if I'm right, I'm fairly confident we have another thing in common, which is at times we are completely overwhelmed with that task. You may be a first-time mom trying to figure out how to time nursing with getting out of the house and somewhere on time. I was really bad at that. You may be a mom of multiple young kids trying to figure out how to take care of all their needs and get time to shower. 
You could be a mom of school-aged kids teaching a kindergartner, first grader how to read, schedule, juggling, and watching them grow in independence and have new friends. You could be a mom of a middle school-aged kid with hormones and personality changes overnight. I heard that happens. I'm on the brink. I'm not there yet. You could be a mom of a high schooler where they're navigating the waters of perhaps dating and the grand old what am I going to do with my life question. You could be a mom of a grown child who's moving out of the nest, getting married and having their own kids. And all of these things can add stress to our life. And then sometimes there's curveballs that get thrown in as well. You could have a sick kid, a husband that's sick, a husband that loses his job, or all of a sudden has to travel. You could be sick. Your mom, your father's mom, grandma and grandpa, all those people you could take care of. You could have a new baby in the house. You could get a new dog, although I don't know why you would do that. (laughs) The stomach bug could make its way through your house. Or you could be doing my all-time least favorite chore ever, potty training. All of those things can add a lot of stress to your life. And it's why if you were to by chance type in mom stress into Google, you would get over 44 million hits. So it's a common issue that we're all dealing with. And if I asked you to open up your calendar and start flipping through the fall with all the things that have scheduled, or to think about your laundry pile at home that might be like Mount Rushmore, or the Leaning Tower of Pisa, I mean dishes, I expect that most of you at some point in the last week have felt that you were not good enough, not strong enough, and just could not do all the things that were ahead of it. And perhaps some of you even felt that way on your way here today. It was a little bit stressful morning in my house. I did as much as I could to prepare ahead of time, but it was the first day of school for my kids. And so I packed the backpacks the night before. I got their lunches all done. We even had a plan for breakfast. And my kids threw me completely off guard by being ready to leave at five minutes to eight. Which doesn't sound like a problem, except for the fact that I then had to come up with stuff for them to do that wouldn't drive me crazy for the next 20 minutes, because we couldn't leave at five minutes to eight. I don't live that far away. So I'm pretty sure everybody in here deals with being stressed and being overwhelmed. And one of the ways I know this is because a 2012 study from the University of Akron showed that being a full-time stay-at-home mom was actually more stressful than being a mom who worked full-time in an office. And I also know this because when I was a critical care nurse in the cardiac ICU, I had four little kids at home, and I actually found it less stressful to go to work than to stay at home. And I'm pretty sure Kylie can relate because I used to work with her. So today, I'm here to tell you that, Mom, you were made for this. So you might all be thinking I'm a little bit nutty, like I'm made for this craziness. What are you talking about? But I want you all to take out your little blue, can you hold it up, Andrea? that thing. And at the top, on the back, is printed this verse. And I'm going to read it, and I want you to listen. It says, Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand, that we should walk in him. So I'm not very creative, and I took my whole talk from this verse. So if you have a pen, you can take out one, two, three numbers, and put them across the top. So the first one is, We are his workmanship, number one. Number two, we were created 
four good works. And number three, we are to walk in or do those good works. So first off, we are God's beautiful creation. Psalm 139 says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God has created us each beautifully, uniquely, and wonderfully. We are not cookie-cutter moms all the same with smaller, or in Leanne's case, bigger, smaller, 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 baby, Um, cookie-cutter children. We're all different. God gave us strengths, gifts, and abilities, and he gave our children strengths, gifts, and abilities, and we all have different weaknesses. We were not created the same. So then why do we compare ourselves to others? How many of you have looked at another mom's life and thought, if I could only do X just like her, then things would be better? Or, I wonder what her secret is and how she has it all together. Perhaps you've looked through Pinterest and felt guilty because you don't make those little graham cracker snacks in the shape of trains that your little boys would absolutely adore, and you actually serve your peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the shape of sandwiches. Or have you looked through Facebook at all the other moms and the really, really fun things they do with their kids and wonder how do they get it all done and be envious of the money they have to accomplish those things that they're doing with their kids? How about flipping through a home decorating magazine and then feeling awful about the way your house looks? Have you looked through a proposed grade base reading list and realized that for your child, you would have to go down two full years for them to successfully be able to read the book and then feel completely horrible and guilty that you're failing as a homeschooling mom? Well, in case you can't figure it out, every one of those examples was me. And I know if I do it, then other people in this room likely do it as well. We all struggling with comparing. So today I want to tell us all to stop it. Stop comparing. Comparisons are odious. They'll either puff you up and make you feel that you're better than other people, or they will heap guilt upon yourselves because you feel like you don't measure up. But you know what? God created you to be the mother of your kids. You're not Susie. Sorry, Susie, back there. She is Susie. (laughs) And you're not Susie's kids. Facebook, here's a shocker, is not reality. It's just a snapshot into someone's life, and it's usually a moment that reflects on them well. Even Pinterest fails are posted after the fact in a humorous way, and not usually when the cake fails for Johnny's birthday and you have to rush out to get the emergency cake from Kroger. That's not when they're posted. They're posted as a humorous after-the-fact way. So one study I found said that 42... This was a study of like a few thousand people on the internet, as FYI. 42% of moms suffer from Pinterest stress, or the feeling of guilt... I love that you're laughing at that. Feeling of guilt that they heap upon themselves for crafts they find on Pinterest that they try to do and don't attempt or don't do and then feel guilty that they didn't do it. 
And 75% of moms say that the pressure that they put on themselves exceeds the pressure and judgment they feel from other moms. So if you're gifted with craftiness, by all means, Pinterest post away and enjoy it. But if you're not, stop the pinsanity. So I wanted to illustrate this point from my own life about how image is not a reality. I asked a few friends of mine to describe me in three to five words, and I asked them to be honest, and I'm very thankful because I believe they were. So I'm going to read you my descriptive words, and some of you are just going to laugh, but here you go. Organized, determined, disciplined, diligent, confident, controlling, type A, no nonsense, having really high expectations, strong, and my favorite, pushy. (laughs) So if you put those all in your mind, and if those of you who don't know me, you probably think, wow, why did they ask her to talk? (laughs) Yikes. And here's, you might be thinking that for good reason. You only have half the list. You only have one snapshot of my reality. The other words were intelligent, observant, loyal, a lovely person, godly, honest, fun, wise, outgoing, beautiful, and faithful. Did that second list help tone down my type A controlling behavior? Did it give me a nicer image in your mind? Comparing yourself to your Facebook friends, your real life friends, Pinterest posts or magazines is like having only half the list. You will never measure up to carefully chosen highlights of another person's life, to picture-perfect Pinterest posts, or magazine articles that were professionally photographed and photoshopped. You are a reality, a beautiful, wonderfully made reality. So if you, like every other woman I know, including myself, struggle with comparing yourself to others and falling short and not measuring up, what do you do? First of all, you need to stop stop thought dumpster diving and haul yourself out of the trash bin. You may be wondering exactly what I mean by that. And this is a blog post that I read off of Femina Girls' website, and the mind picture has stayed with me for a very long time. So I'll kind of explain it. When we dumpster dive, we put our minds on all the things of this earth, the untrue, unjust, unlovely, and unkind things. The dumpster is full of our past failures, our sins, and the lies we have told ourselves so many times, we start to believe them. And we muck around in there all day long, rehashing them, picking some of them back up, studying them intently, staying in the dumpster all day long. And so it's no wonder that we become anxious and fearful, envious and worried. We've been in the dumpster all day long, listening to our own lies. So when you find yourself in the thought dumpster, what should you do? Well, the first key is to realize that you're there, right? Sometimes we don't even know that our brain is in a whole bunch of trash. So the second step is to ask God for wisdom and strength to set your mind on the things above and not on things that are the earth, which is Colossians 3.2. And I'm sorry for those of you who have family seeds worship because you're probably singing it now. My kids were all singing it earlier today. So we should be thinking about things that are true, worthy of praise, lovely. 
And Psalm 37 says, to trust in the Lord and do good. So be active in making your mind think on things that are true and be active with your blessings. Be active in things to do. Count your blessings. Plan your dinners. Read to your kids. Get on with your work. All while actively pulling your thoughts to think on the truth, on the things that are above, and to stop comparing. Ask for God's strength to control your mind. Talk truth to yourself instead of listening to your own lies. So, um, my oldest daughter is completely lovely, for those of you who know her. She's beautiful inside and out, and I adore her to death. However, she has one major flaw. The child cannot make it to the bathroom when she needs to vomit. Like, at all. Um, So a few years ago, like, she was old enough to know better. Like, I want to say she was eight or nine. Like, old. We had had some orange-flavored chip with dinner. So, like, Doritos or Cheetos or something along that, like, really nasty dye stuff. And I have um, really light cream-colored carpeting completely upstairs. You tell where the story's going, right? Okay, so I put him to bed, and then I got busy, and I went to bed late. And she comes into my room at 2 a.m., has to walk past her bathroom to get to my bed, and she wakes me up and says, Mom, my tummy doesn't feel so good. I feel like I'm going to puke. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Sarah's pregnant, and she's like, oh, I'm going to lose it. Okay. This story doesn't get any better, Sarah. I'm sorry. So um, I immediately turn her around and kind of push her and say, run! And she runs to the bathroom, but as I said, she, she cannot make it. So she pukes at the entrance to my room um, in the hallway. Then between the door jam and the door, you know that crack with the, yeah, down the crack, onto the vent um, in the bathroom floor, and then she gets to the toilet, and by that time she's done. Okay. So um, my thoughts <laughs> immediately went to the dumpster. I immediately thought, I am never, ever going to get this all out. It is 2 in the morning. I am going to be up for the next two hours trying to get this up, and I am so tired already. How in the world am I going to handle tomorrow? Yeah, it wasn't pretty. I started... Um, thinking about how every other child I know, including my younger kids in my own family, could make it to the bathroom. And why? Why can't she just make it to the toilet? What is wrong with her that she can't make it to the bathroom? And I really started having anger towards her in my heart for not making it to the bathroom. And here's the truth. I was grossly sinning. God created me to be her mother. He created her to be my child. She is a gift from above. I recognized that my thoughts were getting me nowhere good fast. And I decided that I needed to clean my heart along with the carpeting. So as I scooped up the vomit and got out the green machine, I decided to count my blessings and choose to say out loud things that I was thankful for with each moment, and to pray for my kids and my family. And I still had the nasty work of vomit cleaning, but instead of it becoming a nasty chore, it was a moment to bless my family through prayer. Um, And if you see Eliana, 
don't tell her I told you this story. I've told it before. She won't be totally embarrassed, but she'll be like, oh, mom, why? Must be kind of like being a pastor's kid, Elizabeth. So anyway, my first point is you were made to be the kid, to be the mom of your children. Don't compare yourselves to others. Be grateful and thankful for the way God has made you and the way God has made them. So number two, God created us for good works. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship created for good works. So what are good works? We all know what work is. I think we're all well acquainted with that, right? It's things that you do. But what is a good work? A good work is something that you do with the right interior motives. It's done in faith, and it costs you something. Time, labor, money, etc. Matthew 25:40 says, to the extent that you did it to the one of the least of these, you did it to me. So if you think of children as being some of the least of God's kingdom, when we do things in faith for our kids, we're actually doing it as unto the Lord. In 1 Timothy, there's a list of the good works of widows, and some of them were to have brought up children, aid in distress, and to show hospitality to strangers. So for us moms, one of our good works is to raise our children in faith, to love and serve him as we are loving and serving our Lord, and as we do that with a right heart, those works are counted as good and blessed work. But here's the kicker. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that good works are easy works. In fact, work was easy before sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden, and part of the curse was that sin made our work toilsome or hard. So some work in your life may be easy, but there's definitely things in everybody's life that are hard and difficult. There is, however, great blessing in your work being hard. Hard work forces us to not rely on ourselves, but to turn and seek God. Proverbs 8.17 says, those who diligently seek me, or those who diligently seek God, will find me. What a promise that is. As you encounter the Lord, trust that as you seek him, you will find him. God has promised to be with us always. But so often we take our eyes off that beautiful promise and we forget. We think we are all alone, but we're not. The hard work we are called to do is supposed to draw us heavenward for us to seek the Lord. And the promise is, as you do that, you will find him. There are lots of examples in scriptures of good works being downright hard. There was Noah who built the ark despite all the mocking he got from other people and the fact that there was no water anywhere to be seen. And through that hard work of building the ark, he saved his entire family and the animals. There's Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers and through a whole bunch of different circumstances, ended up being the second in control in Egypt. And then his brothers experienced a severe famine. And Joseph was able to save his whole family because he was sold into slavery. Esther became queen and risked her life before the king to save the entire nation of the Jews. And then, of course, there's Jesus, 
who suffered the cross and despised its shame so that we might believe. And the beauty in all of these Bible accounts is that we see the end, right? You can see what the hard work led to. But in our daily lives, we don't often see the glory in it. And that is where faith comes in. As you change those diapers, do it as unto the Lord. As you're reading with your new reader and trying your best not to fall asleep, do it as unto the Lord. Navigate school-age friendships, do the laundry, prepare your meals, instruct your kids in wise choices, all as unto the Lord. Trust him to turn your imperfect, flawed works into glorious, soul-saving work. So in all likelihood, we're not going to be sold into slavery or have to come before king to save our nation or build an ark. But we're created for our own work. The work that you were created for is not the work that I'm created for, and vice versa. And what you find difficult, I might find easy. But we all have good works, some easier and some harder. When I was a new mom, I had already been through nursing school and I'd helped, you know, deliver some babies when I was in school and helped them learn to nurse their babies. And um, I'd seen a number of movies where breastfeeding was like the easiest thing ever, right? Like the baby comes out and latches on and it's this glorious movement and there's like the hallelujah chorus in the background. Um, And it's seriously, it's supposed to be the easiest thing in the world, right? Um, Yeah, it's not. Just going to tell you. My first child, man, she gets to lion's share of these stories, doesn't she? She um, was absolutely a horrible nurser. She couldn't figure out how to latch. And so I was very sore. Um, And it would take her 30 minutes to latch on and then another 30 minutes to eat. And by the time I would change her diaper and get her back ready for bed, it was like over an hour and a half process. And then I would have maybe 40 to 45 minutes of sleep and then have to start it all over again with nursing that you knew was going to hurt. I remember um, sitting in my rocker and my toes would like curl over and clench into the carpet because it hurt so bad. It was miserable. And I remember being so incredibly exhausted that I was in the shower and I thought, this must be what it's like to be an alcoholic because I am craving sleep like an alcoholic would crave alcohol. I wanted sleep more than anything else. I didn't actually want to get up and feed my child in the middle of the night. And then I felt incredibly guilty for that. It was a really, really tough time in my life. And my husband is fabulous. And he um, stayed up with me one night and Eliana was on his chest screaming for two hours because she couldn't figure out how to eat that night. Um, And the next morning I was sitting in the rocker feeding her and I started singing, great is your faithfulness. And I'll spare you my singing voice, but it goes, great is your faithfulness, O God my Father. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. And in that moment, I sought the Lord and he met me and he was faithful. And it was still hard, but he gave me grace and strength to make it through the first six weeks of her life, which were really hard. And if you know anything about my life, for me to say that that was hard is pretty impressive. Um, So God met me there, and thankfully by six weeks she was a whole new child. (laughs) Really good. So what are you to do when you're in a season that's really hard, but full of good things for you to do? Well, hard work is meant to draw us heavenward. So if you don't have a relationship with the God of heaven, 
start by seeking one. You can ask the table leaders at your table or myself for Sarah, and we would be happy to explain how you can have a relationship with God. If your hard work is hard because of your own sin, then you need to start by confessing that sinfulness to God. If you've sinned against others, like yelled at your children, ask for their forgiveness. Thank Jesus for dying on the cross for your sin. Ask God for his mercy to grant you the grace and the strength to get through your day, even though you don't deserve it. Be purposeful to set your mind on the things above and get about doing the work that he has given you to do, choosing to rejoice. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before that, but I was speaking and I shared my struggles with Netflix. And I'd love to tell you that I never have this problem, but occasionally I still do. My husband does travel a lot, so I will have all five of my kids for a week at a time. And usually at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I'm so done. I'm just going to watch one little episode of something and just zone out. Um, And that'd be great if that's where it stopped. But the truth is, um, despite the fact my friends think I'm very disciplined, yeah, I'm not. And more than one occasion, one episode would turn into two, would turn into three, and all of a sudden it's two in the morning and I still have to get up at six. Um, And so when you're tired, you have a tendency to not be as long-suffering or patient with your children. And then you yell at them. And you realize that the reason you're yelling at them is actually because you are short-tempered because you didn't get any sleep because you watched Netflix too long and it's completely and utterly your fault. So, um, if that's the case, confess your sin and repent and stop doing it. (laughs) I'm still working on that one. I'm getting better, though. I really am. Praise God. All right, so there's another category here, and that's when you're going through a hard season that has absolutely nothing to do with your own sin. It happens. First of all, seek help from your Heavenly Father above. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Seek help from a godly friend that will not only pray for you, but will pray with you. Be purposeful with your mind and get to work. Don't be idle, because that is usually when your mind gets to wandering. There are some things that I have found to do when I'm in these seasons that have been helpful for me. First of all is to think about ways to rejoice in it. Think about things purposely to be thankful for. Write it in a list. Write it on your wall. Get a little thankful this jar and put them in there. Be thankful for things in your life. God has given us all air to breathe. Everybody here has food. There's a place to start for being thankful in all things. Second, think about how can you pray in it, for it, through it, with it. How can you pray about it? What can you teach your kids about God in this situation? How can you take care of your kids' absolute needs during this situation? Um, And the reason I say needs is because don't burden yourself with everything they want to do or everything you think needs to get done. Just their needs. How can you be purposeful to show love to your children and to your husband? Think about when you sin during this time, because let me tell you, you will. Just going to let you know. Um, Think about what response are you going to have. And if you plan it out ahead of time and think about what response you're going to have that helps you go with it. And lastly, remember the good advice of Elizabeth Elliot, who was a missionary, and her husband was killed, and she was in a faraway jungle with a toddler. And I mean, like, jungle, like, you know, no running water, no toilet, jungle. 
And um, I heard her speak a number of years ago. And somebody asked her, how did she get through that season in her life? And she said, you know what? You just do the next thing. Don't be consumed with your to-do list that's way longer than you're ever going to get done. My mom lovingly told me one time, Julie, you're never going to get it done this side of heaven. And she's right. So just do the next thing. So my Facebook feed of late, Diane, you're fine. (laughs) My Facebook feed of late has been filled with memories of three years ago. And at that point in time, I was pregnant with my sixth kid, and I had a mastectomy for breast cancer while pregnant. And I remember writing very purposely the day I went into surgery, Psalm 118.24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That day was a day God had created for me. It wasn't an easy day. It was actually a really, really hard day. But I chose to rejoice in it. So that year I had a newborn. I started chemotherapy 10 days after he was born. I went through radiation and I got third degree burns and it was horrible. Um, And I was exhausted even more so than when I had my first daughter. I was going through chemotherapy which makes you tired from a medical standard. It's wearing on your body. I had five kids at home and the youngest was a newborn, which is just physically exhausting. There's been number of reports that talk about how going through cancer treatment leads to depression. So I was mentally exhausted as well. And while a number of my friends were fasting and praying for me, I was depleted. I really felt at times, this is where you have to start, Adrian. I really felt at times that I just wanted to die and go to heaven because it was too much. I couldn't do it. And um, I said to a dear friend that I actually felt like I was going to run away, like I just wanted to go. And she made me promise her. Just a second. She made me promise her that if I would run, I would run to her house. And that she would pray over me, and she would let me sleep, and she would take care of me, and she would strengthen me so that I could then go back to life. And I have to tell you, that took a huge load off of my shoulders. She bore a burden for me, knowing that if I really got to the point of needing to run, that she was there for me. So if you are in one of those times where you feel that you are done, talk to someone. And if you are someone that someone comes to talk to, bear their burdens. Lift them up in prayer. And I'm thankful to be standing here three years later, very much healthy, my hair is growing back. Um, And I am thankful. I'm thankful for that time. God got me through it. A lot of people did a lot of things for me, and it was good. I have a different relationship with God now than I did then, and it's because I sought him in a time that was hard, and he was there. So my second point was that God created you for good works. They're not easy, but they are meant to draw you heavenward, and there is great glory in doing them. 
how far over am I? Oh, I'm not too pedant. Okay. The third point. Ephesians 2.10 says that we should walk in our good works that God prepared beforehand. So Galatians 6.9 says we should not grow weary in doing good, for in due time you will reap a reward. There is a reward in doing your good work. Changing a diaper in faith doesn't seem like it's going to get you anywhere, um, but there is a reward in heaven for doing your work in faith. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. We need to faithfully do what God has called us to do. Our tasks are going to be too hard for us. They're supposed to be. They are to cause us to rely on God's power and the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 2 says, this is Jesus speaking, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfect in weakness. So just recently, I went for my mammogram. It was August. And I went in, and it didn't even phase me at all. Um, I only have one natural breast, so I thought, eh, no big deal, I'll go in. So um, for those of you who haven't yet experienced the joys of mammograms, they're a blessing. So um, I went in, and I got undressed, and they did their smush thing. I go back out, and I get dressed. And because I've had breast cancer, they do an immediate read, which means they take it back to the radiologist. They read it immediately, and they come back, and you get your results. So like, okay, so I got dressed. I was like flipping through a book I'm reading and didn't think anything about it. And then the technician comes back and she says, I'm sorry, there's an area they want to look more closely at. We need to get a second view. And I thought, oh, that's a little weird. So I'm like, all right. So I get undressed, I go back in, and um, when they do, I'm sorry for those of you who are, <laughs> they smush you more with smaller paddles. <laughs> So it, it's even more enjoyable the second time around. So I got back out, and I thought, well, this is weird. And I started reading my book again. And then the tech comes out a third time with a tear coming, I kid you not, by the way, a tear coming down her cheek. And she said, I am so, so sorry. But we need to do another look at it from another view. Um, yeah. And so I was really glad that at that moment I had been thinking through this talk and I was reading my book because I really said to myself, okay, I do not have this. I cannot do this. Three years ago, yeah, was hard and I don't, I, I do not have it in me to do it again. But I was very thankful that the book I was reading was about how big God is. And the truth is, no, I could not have handled it. I could not, but God can. He brought me through three years ago. He could bring me through again. So I went in, had my third mammogram, came back out, got dressed again, and I waited. And during that time of waiting, I was very purposeful to thank God for his goodness to me over the last three years. So the technician came out and said, bright as a sunshine morning, oh, you can go now. And I looked at her like, and? Like, and she said, oh, it's just scar tissue from your reconstruction. So in case all of you were like starting to have your stomach reach up, no, it was an announcement. I don't have breast cancer again. Um, but the truth of it is, God had it. 
He was in charge. I'm very thankful that I don't have to walk that road again. But either way, God had that moment. So in my current season of life, I'm involved in various things at church. I'm schooling four kids at home and teaching two kids how to read. I have um, one kid in speech therapy, one kid in tutoring, another kid in after-school activities. So I feel like I'm running everywhere all the time. And I have a toddler who really, really, really likes to get everything out in the house and move it around. Like if, yeah, he just really likes to move things and pick up really, really heavy boxes and drop them. Um, And so I find myself in the middle of the afternoon right now being done. Like I can only do it for so long until I start getting these splitting headaches and noises too much. Um, And so I've kind of given myself mommy time out time. And so every afternoon, I will sometimes lock myself in my bedroom. I will take a shower. I will lock myself in the bathroom. Um, But I have to spend that time refocusing my life and being thankful for my blessings and getting my strength back from the Heavenly Father. Because I can't go from reading my Bible in the morning to bed at night without losing it in the morning, losing it in the middle of the day if I'm not relying on the Lord. It has to be an all-day thing. So, um, yeah, my kids know not to disturb me in the afternoon. I only take like 10 to 15 minutes. It's not really that long. But if I don't do that, um, it's not really pretty. I'm working on it. I really am. Um, So we all need to be future-minded. We need to do the work that we're supposed to do with an eye for the future, knowing that God created us for for them. He created them beforehand. So as you change those diapers and tackle the laundry and the dishes and the dinner and the schedules going here and there and all, do it as unto the Lord. And as you do it, walk in faith that Jesus will take your imperfect works and make them fruitful. Trust that as you reach heaven, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your master, into the joy of heaven. So thank you. I'm just going to pray real quick, and then um, we can discuss. Father, I thank you. I thank you that we are all beautifully and wonderfully made. I thank you that you have given us good tasks, and that by your grace, you have given us what we need to get through them. Father, I pray that we would all seek you diligently, and that we would find you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, so maybe after listening, you are breathing a sigh of relief. It feels good to know that this is our calling, even if it's difficult at times. I pray that you are encouraged by Julie's talk as she pointed us to Christ. Remember, she directed us with Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mothering is a good work that God has called many of us to do. Be encouraged that if he calls us to do it, he will help us walk through it. I like how that rhymed. Hey, thanks for listening to this special bonus episode. Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand as an unshaken mom because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.